0: Let's get into the Word of the Lord this morning. The Gospel of John, chapter 12. The Gospel of John, chapter 12. Finishing up our series this morning at his feet. The Gospel of John, chapter 12. Just going to be looking at verses 1 through 9. Uh, Reading it this morning from the NIV. John 12, 1 through 9. I'm going to ask you if you're able to uh, stand one more time as we read the Holy Word of God in honor to the Holy Word of God. So the Bible says... Alright, beginning at verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor, Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And then Mary took about a a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? I mean, it was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came. Not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for, again, for this opportunity to speak your word. I pray, Lord, that as we talk about spending time at the feet of Jesus, Lord, that we would examine our lives. Uh, Lord, that we would desire to do it, to spend that time. Uh, That, Lord, if we're failing in this area, that we would reset and that we would begin again, that Lord, you would direct and guide us, give us the the courage that we need, Lord, to, to turn away from the things that are dragging us down and to turn to you. Lord Jesus, you are the answer. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the only one, Lord, who we need to please and live for. And so, God, just have your way. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. So a couple weeks ago, we started this series called At His Feet, and we stated the fact that amazing things happen at the feet of Jesus. Anybody can say amen to that this morning. Amazing things happen at His feet. In fact, many of us have seen countless countless lives touched and and transformed at the feet of Jesus. And, And for some of us, we can personally relate to that statement because it happened to us. See, we were once lost, but at the feet of Jesus, we were found. We were once blind, but at the feet of Jesus, we recovered our vision. We were once broken, but at the feet of Jesus, we were fully made whole. In the Bible, Mary of Bethany, she had a a similar experience. So at the beginning of our series, we said that nearly every time her name is mentioned in the scriptures, Mary can be found at the feet of Jesus. We also said that the Bible actually shares three times Three different stories about Mary being at the feet of Jesus. And so today we're going to wrap it up by talking about that third time, that third story. And see, at the feet of Jesus, uh, the, the feet of Jesus that once used the mountains as their footstool would soon be nailed to that rough wooden cross. So our text today finds us on that day that many of us know as Palm Sunday. Now listen, on that first Palm Sunday over 2,000 years ago, we know that Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem for the very last time. And so the sun we know was beaming over the rolling desert hills, birds were singing the songs of spring, a gentle breeze whispered through the palm trees of nearby trees, and it was a beautiful day. In fact, everything was perfect. So Jesus, the Son of God, he, he climbed confidently onto the back of a young colt which had never been ridden before, and a symbol of his kingship prophesied so long ago by the prophet Zechariah. And gently we know that Jesus trotted along the rocky road that led to Jerusalem's southern gate. Now listen, Jesus' three-year ministry had reached its dramatic climax. Word had spread about Jesus bringing Lazarus back from the dead and the countless other miracles that he had performed and the masses of hope-filled believers were looking to Jesus as their Messiah and King. At this point, Passover was only a week away. The streets of Jerusalem were filled with merchants and travelers, and excitement crackled through the air like a surge of electricity. So, as Jesus and his disciples round the final bend in the road, a youthful voice cries out It's Him! It's really Him! Jesus is coming! And like super excited fans at a a massive concert or at a Boston Celtics championship celebration, crowds of men, women, and children rushed out to greet Jesus as he entered the city. They started shouting with enthusiastic fervor. Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! Listen, the love and joy that radiated from Jesus' face affirmed their praise. Then someone pulled a large leaf off of a, a simple palm tree and, and laid it across Jesus' path, and another one followed soon, and then another until the road was covered with palm leaves like a red carpet had been rolled out just for Jesus, the King of Kings. And yet not everyone was excited about His arrival. See, certain power-hungry priests saw Jesus as a threat to their their prosperity and their piety. They wanted him out of the way permanently. And so the lines in the sand had been drawn. And sides had been chosen. But regardless of which side they stood on, everyone knew that something amazing was about to happen. And yet a few of them knew that something amazing had already happened. See, it happened the night before in in a little town, in a little village of Bethany. And and not surprisingly, it all happened at the feet of Jesus. See, Jesus knew that this was going to be his final week before he would be crucified. and, And so on his way to Jerusalem, he stopped by Bethany to visit his closest friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And once again, we find Mary at his feet, but this time she isn't savoring his word or sharing her woes. Instead, this time, Mary is at his feet showing his worth. See, in our text, the Bible said six days before the Passover feast, Jesus went to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Remember, Lazarus is the man that Jesus had just raised from the dead. And there they had dinner, a dinner for Jesus. And so we know from the scriptures that Mary served, the, Martha served the food and Lazarus was actually and literally one of the people there eating with Jesus. People were witnessing a, a literal miracle. It had everything to do with Jesus. See, not too long before Lazarus was dead, he was in the grave. His body was rotting, and, and now, several days later, he ate with his Lord, and so Mary, she she in that moment, she brought a pint of expensive perfume made from pure nard, and she poured the perfume on the feet of Jesus, and, and then she went ahead and wiped his feet with her hair, and the Bible says that the sweet smell from the perfume filled the entire house. And yet, at this special dinner, thrown in Jesus' honor, We see several guests whose attitudes and actions have become a testimony of their relationship with Jesus. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to briefly look at each of their examples culminating with Mary at the feet of Jesus once again. But we'll get to Mary in a minute. First, let's start with Martha. Say Martha. Listen, we've already mentioned that we can probably identify the most with Martha because we like to do things and we like to get things done. And we like to, at the end of the day, maybe even be proud about the things that we have accomplished with our hands. And so we identify the most with Martha. First, we identify with Martha as a, a working Christian. And throughout this whole sequence of events in our text, there are only two words devoted to Martha here in our text. The, the, and the role that she played that special evening, just two words. And listen, I doubt any of us could find two words more fitting and less surprising. Verse 2 says, Martha served. Martha served. I mean, did we really expect anything less from Martha? I mean, if you recall the the first time that Martha cooked for Jesus, she was busier than a room full of first graders, and she was and still is the Martha Stewart of ancient Israel, And, and so once again, she was busy being the queen of the kitchen like she was before Jesus raised Lazarus. And yet there's something different about her this time. Did you notice it? Listen, this time, the Bible doesn't say anything about Martha being worried. It doesn't say anything about Martha being upset. This time, she's not telling, yelling at her sister for not helping or or criticizing her for taking another break. This time, there are no signs of stress. This time, there are no signs of frustration from Martha in our text. This time, we see just those two simple words. Martha, sir. I think Martha had finally found the rhythm of her life. See, she's really learned the importance of slowing down and being still, but she also knows that she and Mary are two different people, and how God built her was not how God built Mary, and how God had wired Martha is not, not how God had wired Mary. And so Martha's gift is serving and working with her hands for the Lord. Thank God for servants of the Lord. Thank God for those who work. Listen, this is the God who who made her to be who she was. And she's discovered the joy of serving Jesus without worrying and getting all caught up and upset over the details. Listen, that's a lesson we can all learn from Martha because some Christians are actually like wheelbarrows. They they only work when they're pushed and they get easily upset by, by something or someone and quickly they find themselves like the squeaky wheel after shifting her focus, her fellowship, and Martha had discovered a shift in her feelings happened, and so that she wasn't like that anymore. In fact, she became a faithful and even-tempered worker for the Lord, a a working Christian right in the middle of a crazy world. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Listen, this is what we now see in Martha. This was a major shift, a major change from her previous over-the-top attitude. And anybody have any knowledge about bees, honeybees in general? Maybe watch the documentary or say, listen, I'm not an expert on bees at all. But do you know how, how, how to tell how old a worker bee is? See, all of the honeybees are pretty much the, the same, whether they're young or old or middle-aged. But you can tell the difference of the bees by their wings. In fact, the younger worker bee has perfect wings. They're rounded at the ends and they're thick in the middle. But as the bee gets older, its wings get more and more worn out. In fact, they start to fray at the ends and they get tattered and torn. Again, these are worker bees. Eventually, their wings get thinner and thinner until there's nothing left. Don't forget, this is what they love to do. And so they are worker bees and they are doing their thing in the honeycomb and and all that they do. And so a worker bee never dies of old age. They don't die from heart attacks. They don't die from malnutrition. And unless they get swatted, they they typically die happy and in rather good health because they wear out their wings in service to the hive. Martha was like that. She was going to wear out her wings working for Jesus. Now, after discovering the value of spending time at the feet of Jesus, like her sister Mary, she had the right attitude, and she was now able to serve faithfully without grumbling and complaining. And so while working Christians need to be on guard not to become worried Christians, the local church actually needs more and more Christians like this new and improved version of Martha. Certain-minded men and women who, who get things done with speed and precision, who are faithfully and happily willing to wear out their wings for Jesus. And listen, if you're one of those this morning, you know who you are. I want to thank you. Thank you so much for using your gifts and your talents and your skills for Jesus. Thank you so much for all of your hard work that a lot of people don't even see. Thank you for your servant's heart. Listen, when you work, you work as unto the Lord. And if that is your motivation and if that is your focus, that's all of the... The, the accolades and that's all of the recognition you need because you know you're working for the master, the savior, your Lord, and you want to work for him. You want to be busy working for the king so that when he comes back, he finds you working faithful. The rest of us might have a hard time keeping up with some of you, but we can all learn a little something from each other. Martha's example testifies to the value of being a working Christian, having a true servant's heart. On the other hand, in our text, we see Judas. Judas gave us another example to learn from. Here we actually see that Judas represents a worldly Christian. A worldly Christian. See, as Mary broke open her her bottle of perfume and extravagantly poured it all out at Jesus' feet, the the sweet scent and aroma just kind of drifted freely throughout the house, filling every single room. And, And so Judas is literally drawn to the room where Jesus is by the expensive aroma. And his eyes instantly widen with disdain and rage as he sees what Mary has just done condescension in his voice and Judas yells that perfume was worth a fortune it should have been sold and given the money to the poor the gospel of John in verse 6 gives us a little bit more explanation not that he cared for the poor he was a thief and since he was in charge of the disciples money he often stole some for himself listen Judas knew the price of everything and yet the value of nothing. He knew the price of everything and yet the value of nothing. For three years, Judas has been part of Jesus' inner circle. He traveled the dusty roads following in Christ's footsteps. He witnessed amazing miracles. He heard the words of life that fell off of the lips of Jesus. Those who watched at a distance probably thought that Judas was the real deal. He seemed so pious, so spiritual, like he had it all together. The truth is, Judas wasn't who he pretended to be, what he pretended to be. Judas was selfish. Judas was cynical. He pretended to love Jesus, but all he really cared about was his position and his possessions and his power. Jesus had a word for people like Judas, religious people whose character wasn't consistent with their creed, Over and over through the Gospels, he called them hypocrites. Listen, I don't know if you know this, but the word hypocrite, it actually comes from Greek theater. A hypocrite was the Greek word for actors who wore masks and performed on a stage for all to see. What's really sad is that uh, according to a study uh, conducted by LifeWay Research, 72% of people surveyed believe that churches are full of hypocrites. Of course, like Zig Ziglar's, I like Zig Ziglar's response to the claim. He invited a friend to church with him one one day, and his friend said, I would come, but everybody knows the church is full of hypocrites. Zig quickly responded. He was a quick one. He said, oh, it's okay. There's always room for one more. (laughs) Right or wrong, if you're a Christian, you ought to know that your neighbors and your co-workers have their hypocrisy radar out, scanning your lives 24-7. Yeah. What are they looking for? They're looking for false religion. Yeah. They're looking for a holier-than-thou attitude, saying one thing but doing another. And so what are they picking up as, on their radars as they look at your life? When they're scanning your life, what do they actually see? Because the truth is, when God-hungry souls walk into a congregation of pretenders, they know it. So be careful. Make sure you take a good look in the mirror. Be honest with yourself, with God, and everyone else. Trust me, you don't want to end up like Judas. And finally, a much better example to follow is the one of Mary. One where we can identify with Mary at the feet of Jesus as a worshiping Christian. Anybody love to worship? Do we have some worshipers here this morning? Mary left that example for us and so Mary starts at the feet of Jesus and she ends at the feet of Jesus and Mary didn't have to defend herself. Jesus did that for her. We ought to take a lesson. That's a whole other sermon. You don't have to defend yourself. Jesus will defend you with that same fire in his eyes that he had when he turned over the the temple tables in Matthew 26, 10-13. Jesus knew what they were thinking and said, why are you criticizing her? For she has done a good thing to me. You will always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial, and she will always be remembered for this deed. The story of what she has done will be told throughout the whole world, wherever the good news is preached. And here we are fulfilling prophecy. This morning, as I talk about Mary, see, Mary had such an intimate relationship with Jesus that she sat at his feet, savoring his word, and she fell at his feet, sharing her word woes, and now she kneels at his feet, showing his worth. Mary loved Jesus so much and she had better insight than many of the men who had followed Jesus for these past three years. In fact, Mary knew that as he rode into Jerusalem the next morning, he would be riding to his death and she knew that he was going to die. And she knew that he was going to die for her. Mary wanted to express her love. She wanted to show his worth in the most extravagant way that she could. And so she sought out her most... Precious and expensive possession, an alabaster jar of perfume worth a year's salary. She quickly broke it, opened it, used it to anoint Jesus' feet, drying his feet with her hair. See, for Mary, there was no sacrifice that was too expensive, no service that was too embarrassing. Jesus was worth it. I mean, think about how much you make in a year and imagine taking that amount and and pouring every penny out at the feet of Jesus. So even if Mary could have uh, gathered all the wealth and all of the riches of the world, put them in a jar and poured them at the feet of Jesus, it would not have been a waste. You can't give Jesus too much. He's worth all that we have. And all that we are. Good. Listen, during those times when when, when when, the Christian walk gets tough, when you feel like you're spinning your wheels, when people get you down or disappoint you, when your effort seems to go without results, or when you try and try and it seems like you're getting nowhere, when you feel like throwing in the towel, when you feel like dropping out of the race, when you feel like you can't give even just a little bit more. When you feel used, abused, unappreciated, just remember, Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth your time. Jesus is worth your effort. Jesus is worth all of the pain and frustration. See, nothing we ever do for the glory and honor of Jesus is ever a waste. You can never give too much of your life to Jesus. You can never give too much of your talents, your time, or your treasure. And so this morning I challenge you, give it all to Him. Worship team, come. Listen, Revelation 5.12 says that in heaven, the angels sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. See, Jesus is worthy. There's no better place than, be, than to be at his feet. How much is Jesus worth to you? What are you willing to pour out at his feet? Romans 10.15 says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. No feet that have ever walked the earth are more beautiful than the feet of Jesus. Amazing things happen at the feet of Jesus. Listen, I don't know where where you are in in your relationship with Jesus this morning or or what exactly is going on in your life. That's between you and God. But Mary teaches us that no matter what's going on in your life, the best place to be is at the feet of Jesus. So this morning, if you're still seeking... Maybe you're still curious about Christianity, about God, then Jesus invites you to sit at his feet and to savor his word. While savoring his word, Mary learned that the one thing that matters the most is her relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's not you, but maybe you're struggling right now through hard times, dealing with grief or loneliness. Jesus actually invites you to fall at his feet, and to share your woes, Pastor Freddie, what are you talking about? I I can't tell God that. What do you think He doesn't know already? He doesn't He doesn't know what pains your heart. He doesn't know what keeps you up late at night. While you when you get around certain people, it it hurts and it pains. But you put on a smile and a and a, and a face like you know they don't have to know. But but God doesn't know. God knows. God knows and he invites you to sit, at his, to sit at his feet, to fall at his feet, to share your woes. And listen, while sharing your woes, Mary learned that, that Jesus is the source of comfort in this life. Listen, if you're a Christian and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior five years, 10 years, 20 years, no matter what criticism you might take for it, Jesus invites you right now to kneel at his feet, and show the world what he's worth to you. Just like Martha, Judas, and Mary, how you live your life will be a one will one day be a testimony of your relationship with Jesus. And wherever you are in your relationship, I want to invite you to join Mary at the feet of Jesus. Pour out your heart, your love, your worship, your life, your soul, your all. Because amazing things happen every single time. At the feet of Jesus. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Father, sometimes I wonder, sometimes I wonder, Lord, what it is that you're really doing when you ask me or direct me to preach in a certain way. Sometimes I wonder if it's falling on, on ears that are and in hearts that are not wanting to receive or feel like, oh, I'm just so beyond that. I'm not in that place. But Lord, I believe this morning that even in our quietness right now, you are speaking to people. You are speaking to families and individuals people who sometimes, again, they put on the front and, and everything seems to be okay, but on the inside there's a turmoil and there's a struggle and, and there's something going on and, and the relationship isn't what it seems. And and uh, maybe, Lord, there was a time when they sensed your presence or there was a time when you moved mightily in their life and, and there was a time when, when they had intimate relationship with you and, and they were growing and they were moving and they were changing and, and they were allowing your Holy Spirit to do the work in, in their lives, but they've reached a plateau, they've reached a place of, of comfort they've reached a place of just life is what it is and of course the enemy whispers you've done enough the enemy whispers, nobody appreciates you the enemy whispers, you've got nothing more to offer there's nothing left in the tank, you're you're empty just coast. You don't have to do it anymore, just coast. You don't have to give anymore, just coast. You don't have to surrender anymore. You've already grown all that you need to grow, just 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 coast. Lies. 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 And yet the Holy Spirit is here. God is here this morning. Speaking in a still small voice in your heart of hearts where you know where you are with Jesus where you know the calling and the drawing that he's had on your life wanting you to go deeper wanting you to give up habits and hang ups wanting you to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord that in his holiness we fall short so God thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that we can still sense your conviction. Thank you, Lord, that you are still working on the inside, drawing us to you. Jesus, I need you today more than ever before. I need you now more than ever before. Jesus, you want me to experience so much more. God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry when I've stood in the way. I'm so sorry when I've made excuses. I'm so sorry when I've listened to the world. I'm so sorry when I've gone the wrong way. I'm so sorry, Lord, when I've put up the wall and I've put up the shield and, and I've acted a certain way. When God, you know my heart. And this morning, God, you want full Surrender. Help us to get to that place. Help us to make that decision right here, right now, today. Today's the day. Today's the day. Lord, I can't do it, so you're going to have to do it through me. Lord, I surrender. It's all I can do, and it's all you desire. Move through me. Change me. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. Amen.